Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Worthy Pieces podcast. I am your host, Rhonda Davis, and I'm an LCSW who works as a mental health therapist here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, Today's episode, I want to talk about religious trauma. I know in a previous episode, I talked with my friend Tyson about his experience with the Mormon religion and him coming out gay. I just wanted to dive a little bit deeper and spend some time talking about this as I think it's an important topic to cover to just become more educated on what religious trauma is and maybe what it can look like. Um, as it's obvious, I'm from Utah. So in this state, we have a lot of stereotypes such as, oh, you're from Utah? Are you Mormon? Aren't you a polygamist? Don't you, aren't you the fifth wife? And although uh, statistically Utah's population has over 65% of people who identify as Mormon or part of the LDS religion, um, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the stats over the years. Uh, There was a report published in 2021 uh, where Utah was ranked the 12th happiest state in the U.S., but ranked fifth with adults having the most serious mental health issues. So how does that work? How are we one of the happiest states, but the most mentally ill? And I think that we're a bunch of liars. And I don't mean that to any disrespect, uh, but with Utah having one of the most predominant religions as LDS, both with members and ex-members, there's a lot of external pressure every day to put on this facade of feeling worthy, feeling happy, to keep our skeletons locked up as tight as possible. And I just think that we are, we have this external pressure to appear happy and put together, but behind closed doors, we're actually a mess. And this can stem both from emotional and religious confusion. Um, I'm going to preface that this episode is about religious trauma and can happen in or from any religion. Uh, But you're going to see that a lot of my examples today primarily are from the LDS religion as there's nothing I have against it. It's just that I have the most experience working with those who have left the Mormon church um, because it's our predominant culture here. Um, So what is religious trauma? Typically, the definition is when an individual is struggling with their religion or their belief system, and they typically have broke away or they're separating from this organized system. And as they break away or as they have left, they experience some type of distress in while doing so. If you listen to the previous podcast where, or the previous episode of this podcast where Tyson talked about having a belief system that he was born into and that he was raised with, it was a part of him. His belief system was almost as true as a characteristic to himself. And as one questions this, it's like questioning your whole inner being, your entire belief system of what you once knew and forming an entirely new belief system. Here in Utah, uh, we also have a history of polygamy families. There's an estimated 1%, I think it is just over 1% of Utah's population that identify or are part or have been a part of polygamous families. And this is typically, it's probably a conversation for another day, but those who are raised in polygamy families sometimes experience really intense levels of trauma, both religious and abusive traumas. 
I've worked with quite a few women who have actually left certain polygamous groups. And there are certain groups here in Utah um, or neighboring states that there is an, a very intensive amount of abuse and religious trauma that comes with leaving or part of living that religion or that church or that life. And it's unimaginable. I mean, some of the stories that I could share are stories that really I think most people would hear in storybooks or news articles very, very rarely. But sadly, it happens more often than we would like to talk about and admit. So as we kind of touched on, religious trauma can be basically redeveloping an entirely new belief system and having such deep feelings of unworthiness and emptiness because you've left everything you once knew, everything that pretty much made you you. Um, In the interview with Tyson, he talked about that one of the most uncomfortable things for him was to change his belief system. The beliefs and values that he's known throughout his life that he was raised with conflicted with his own internal belief system as he grew up. And figuring out how to build this new belief system is one of the scariest things a person can do. It makes a person feel incredibly empty. It makes them feel like they're not worthy. And it almost feels like they're starting over, not knowing who they are or what they're capable of being. And not feeling worthy is an intense, common, negative belief that most people live with. Yet when it comes to having that religious background, they're even more pressured, even into their adult life, to prove themselves worthy. And, and that can be on various forms, various roles, various relationships. Um, it, it stems from the value and belief system that's been ingrained in them. And some adults don't really recognize the certain patterns of behaviors or emotions or maybe negative um, coping mechanisms that they're experiencing or that they have done that all come from a a religious trauma or from their belief system throughout their childhood. Some of the other ways that religious traumas can be present are with physical, emotional, or sexual abuse that can come from members or family members of the church. And if you think about this, like we hear about it in the media occasionally. Um, We sometimes hear very controversial articles And this goes, you know, both the two that I think of are predominantly in the Catholic Church and the LDS religion. Um, I can speak again behalf on my clients that in the LDS religion, the sexual abuse that's happening are typically through members of their own family or members or leaders of the church. And from a lot of people's experiences, when the sexual abuse is happening, it's often reported to the bishop, if it even gets brought up or if it even gets believed throughout the family. Um, A bishop is a volunteer position that the LDS church actually appoints. And as this position in the church, they are not mandated reporters. And what that is, so typically, for example, me, as a licensed professional, I'm a mandated reporter. So if a child comes in and reports that they have been harmed sexually, physically, emotionally, I am mandated by law to report that incident where bishops are not. And so because of this, sometimes it's a it's not talked about, it's not validated, and oftentimes that victim is not believed. 
when it is talked about, if it's talked about, whether it's within the family or the bishop, a, a common belief in the LDS faith is forgiveness. So as a victim to this type of abuse, when you finally have a chance to tell someone and speak out and you tell your bishop, typically they invalidate you and they their response is to ask you to pray and forgive those who wronged us and in a sense the sins are forgiven. Which internally tells us that we should just abandon these feelings and look for the good in life. Identify what we have to be thankful for. It's not talked about. The trauma is not reported. Oftentimes, children don't get to go to therapy to talk about it because of the shame that maybe the family will have. Or it's just not something, quote unquote, big enough that the family wants to deal with. And the sad part is, is not understanding this as a child of sexual abuse that forgiveness doesn't process the trauma. As that child, they have no voice, they have no understanding of what's happened to them. So when they receive a response like this, the emotions, the feelings, the thoughts, and sometimes the memory is suppressed. Sometimes many years later, the child is a full-grown adult, and maybe that adult has depression or suicidal ideations, and sometimes they don't understand why. I have had clients before where they have no memory of being sexually abused, and that can happen. Your brain, it can be such a traumatic experience that your brain actually shuts down and it thinks it's protecting yourself by not allowing you to have conscious memories of the event. And so sometimes we have behaviors such as uh, self-harming or substance use or really risky impulsive behaviors or depression, mental health illnesses. It comes out in various ways to where it's unresolved trauma. And if you think about if that child, now adult, was lucky enough to talk to someone about this and they were validated and they were heard, imagine the difference in their life. Imagine the difference with maybe healthy relationships, with maybe healthy sex practices. Would that adult have? let alone maybe developing a healthier, more controlled belief system. Religious trauma um, can also be in the form of spiritual abuse. And this can be in various forms, I would say, are often a little bit hidden. They're not as obvious is maybe a better way of putting it. So spiritual abuse can come from leaders or a leader within a church tries to dictate or control. Uh, they try to degrade you. They try to manipulate you for in various ways. It can be anything and everything from like certain behaviors or actions that maybe they're asking you to do um, to just the guilt and the influence of the belief system within the religion. Some of the signs from the spiritual abuse um, can be using, for example, like the religious holy books to control choices or influence how you make decisions. Uh, it can be persuasion for you to make certain choices or engage in behaviors so you deem yourself worthy of higher things. So, for example, um, maybe it's dating someone outside of the church when you were younger and your parents put that impression on you that, oh, little Sally that you're dating, she's not a member of the church. So if you if you don't date a good Mormon girl, you're not going to deem yourself worthy. You won't be able to get married in the temple, blah, 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 blah. 
that sometimes happen and I think is young developing children it happens more often than not and sometimes it's just the belief system from the parents that's coming out there isn't any um conscious pressure or there isn't any purposeful harm that's coming from it other spiritual abuse examples can be when the adults or leaders of the religion censor the ability for you to ask questions um so for example if you have disagreeing or opposing thoughts or questions from your primary religion people often influence you to not seek answers elsewhere or to not use external resources to find those answers they encourage you to ask the people or use those resources within your religion and anything outside of that is often frowned upon Um, another example i'm going to give you comes from the conversation again with tyson when he talked about his mission So in the LDS religion, the pride for one's family of their son completing a two-year mission to preach the gospel and to spread the word of the gospel is highly recognized. Um, When this person, which again, I think Tyson mentioned it, but this person is usually anywhere from like 18 to 20. So still pretty young, new to their adulthood. But when this person or their son does not wish to serve a mission or they're unable to fulfill their mission, there is an incredible amount of shame, both that comes from members of the church and the members of the family, let alone the shame that that person can feel from not completing this task. If you think about it, and Tyson talks about this, most young men live their life in the church in this belief system until they're 18 with the pressure with the expectation that when they turn 18 they are going to fulfill their mission and in a way like honor god honor the gospel and honor their family and should one not complete that it's almost one of their greatest failures in life it can be and from that there can be a lot of negative emotions thoughts shame that comes out from that And as Tyson talked about, from that shame, if he hadn't completed that task, it could have felt like absolute desolation from his family, from his community, from all that he's ever known. And we do see that a lot. And I think the negative effects that come from that in young men's life is something definitely not talked about. That's something that I know personally from friends and from clients that it is something that's brushed under the rug and kind of forgotten about. We don't talk about it. But that can be, those are other examples of spiritual abuse that comes with the religious trauma. Um, I, I can share like my own experiences who struggle, myself who struggled with this. So I was not raised in an LDS religion. I was raised in a very fun, close-knit neighborhood where most of my friends and neighbors were LDS. Um, this neighborhood was phenomenal because there was, if I remember right, like 27 kids at one point and we were all within like months apart from each other. So you always had little buddies to play with. Um, most of the neighborhood, the neighborhood families were like born and raised into this about the same time. So for example, like my dad and the neighbor, the neighborhood adults, got to see the kids grow up together. They became really close. We had barbecues. Um, my favorite memories were we, I used to have a pool at my house. And so we used to do in the summer, like pool parties, everyone used to come to my house and swim. And then my dad would order pizza for us. So there were just things like that, that we were really close. We all got along. I still talk to a handful of these neighbor kids to the day and the neighborhood families. Um, but 
90% of them in this neighborhood were LDS. And so I remember knowing that, you know, for example, like a lot of the friends couldn't hang out on Sundays because they were in church and they were in their activities. And, uh, you know, they, they when they were able to get baptized, it was a big deal. And when they would do church activities, they were all, you know, creating memories together. And so often when we would have sleepovers or I would go hang out with them, I would feel isolated. I felt judged because, you know, they would talk about church or just even sometimes there were points to where like they knew that I wasn't active. My dad and I weren't LDS and there was just different behaviors and attitudes you got towards or I I got towards them. And even though the neighborhood knew that my dad and I were kind of the black sheeps of the neighborhood, I was lucky that many of the families took me under their wing and treated me as their own. And so because of that, I felt loved, but at the same time, I felt confused. I didn't feel like I fit in. I was raised knowing what being a Mormon was, and I knew what the Book of Mormon was, but I didn't know the stories. I didn't have a testimony. I didn't have the same belief systems at all. I was stuck in this middle of my dad was very much a hippie free bird and allowed me to develop that belief system, but then the pressure of the LDS church and this religion all around me. Fast forward into my high school years, and I dated a boy who was two years younger than me. He and I dated for quite a few years, I and I, I was older than him, so I graduated high school before him and went to college. Him and I stayed together. But as he prepared to graduate, he was also expected to go on a a mission. His family was all actively LDS. It was something that I respected and I honored. I think there were times that I went to church with them, um, you know, and I, again, was an LDS, but I welcomed it. I respected it. I was open to it. And I remember for at least a year that he was preparing to go on his mission and graduate that I felt such an extreme amount of pressure just being his girlfriend because I knew that he had this expectation. I knew his mom and sisters absolutely wanted him to go. And of course, I didn't want him to go away for the two years, but I knew being around his family and growing up, I knew the pressure that he was under and the expectation he had to go. Anyway, long story short, um, I was extremely supportive He prepared for his mission, he applied for his mission, he got his mission call, and I never once asked him not to go. I don't know if his family believes that, I don't know if some of his friends ever believe that, but I didn't. I was supportive, I knew that it was going to be really hard for us, I was willing to wait for him, Um, but I also knew at the same time, like, two years is a hard a long time and a hard time in our life because I was in college living my life, making choices, and he just graduated and I wanted wanted him to start life with me and instead he was going to serve a mission. He ended up going and he was called to Washington, so it wasn't that far away. We were still able to send letters and email and it didn't feel as long distance as I think it could have because he wasn't really that far away. Um, But he did end up coming home early. And I knew just the fact he was coming home, I knew that his family would be really upset. I knew that they would have a lot of shame and I know that they would have a lot of disappointment, both with him and I. And I didn't know the details right away, but I knew just with him coming home that 
his family would probably blame me and as I had influence over him. Even though I did find out later that I supposedly was the blame for him coming home, which I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but we eventually broke up. And But I, I remember when he came home, the negative feeling and the heaviness that was at his family's house. I knew his deep depression that he went under and the shame that absolutely destroyed him. He didn't feel worthy to go to church anymore. He didn't feel like he could look his mom in the face. And I think ultimately he knew and felt like he was a disappointment. And it was interesting for me because not being LDS and not being part of a religion at this time, I also questioned my belief system. I was an outsider looking inward. And at the time, I think it was even before he had left, but I had I had a really good group of guy friends in high school. And they were all, they're all like brothers to me. Um, but they also all served LDS missions. And so I played with the idea for at least a year, maybe longer than that, of wanting to ask them questions. And I actually had a couple of them arrange missionary lessons for me with the intention of getting baptized and becoming a member of the LDS church. I wanted to be with my high school sweetheart. I wanted our relationship to work. And I knew that me being a non-member was going to be something really difficult for us. And I didn't ever end up following through with it. Not because it was wrong. It just didn't ever feel right for me. And it was something that I just didn't feel like was was true for me. And I couldn't dedicate my life and commit to something like that. But the pressure that I felt growing up outside of the church and wanting to belong to this church was extremely hard. So I only can imagine the pressure of being inside of the church and questioning or wanting to leave that all behind how hard that actually must be. Next, I want to speak to my experience as a therapist where I see this all the time in my office. Um, When we get client referrals, sometimes we get people who call in and specifically ask for a non-religious therapist. Um, and typically most offices don't disclose this because it's not supposed to influence your time in therapy. Um, but people ask this because they usually don't want to have the pressure or the influence of that religious value system placed on them as they're trying to sort through their own belief system or their own traumas from that religion. And identifying and becoming aware of this religious trauma is not as easy as it sounds. And it's often even harder to accept sometimes. And I typically see people who have either fallen naively into their belief system and just accepted what they know to be true. And they stop questioning, even though sometimes deep down it maybe doesn't feel 100% right. But sometimes living with it and accepting it and being part of something is easier than questioning and walking away from all that you've ever known. Or I see it on the other side where a person goes the completely opposite and they choose to live a life of rebellion, they fall into substance abuse, impulsive and risky sexual behaviors, or they just basically fall further away from themselves or any belief system at all. Changing, challenging, or questioning your belief system is not something that anyone should take lightly. This is something that you do need to talk and work through. 
Um, to overcome this, I really encourage you to start with recognizing if, if any of the religious trauma symptoms or anything that we've talked about today really hits home with you. Or if you're questioning your belief system, identify what those questions are, what makes you feel uncomfortable. Start connecting to your friends or your family or other supports that you may have. Um, they have Maybe they've left the church or not, but someone that you know is safe and someone that maybe would be open to having these conversations with. doesn't mean you have to make a decision. It's just starting the conversation. It's starting to put those belief systems into play so you're able to figure it out. I also encourage people to talk to other people who are in completely different religions than you. Do your research. Understand different spiritualities and religion. Inform yourself the best you can. And then if you need, find someone like a professional therapist who you can talk to about this. And I would say maybe not someone who is biased with the religion one way or the other, but someone who has experience with helping others work through their religious trauma or their questioning belief system. Uh, The example that I use all the time is stop searching for the answers that are in your pool that you're swimming in. Start to look at other pools. Learn what their other people pools look like and allow yourself to take a little at a time from those other pools. Fill your pool with the water that feels most comfortable and safe for you. Does that make sense? If your water in your pool feels unsafe, then you need to look under the surface and see what's causing the chaos for you. And sometimes you do that by looking objectively at other people's pools. And maybe you take a little bit from each pool surrounding you, something else that maybe makes you feel comfortable and you fill your pool with that. So your pool becomes more blended, more comfortable, more safe. Knowing what your beliefs are is important for your healing, but also important for you to feel confident in yourself and your belief system. Create healthy boundaries within your relationships and seek support from others. You're not alone with this. And that's one reason I wanted to bring Tyson on to share because I think that his story, his experience really only touches the surface for so many people out there. last few thoughts that I'm going to leave you with is in no way was this episode specifically targeted at one religion versus another. Um, I'm also not trying to generalize anyone to say that if you are part of a religion that you have experienced abuse. This is common for within religion. These are common things that I have seen based on my clients and in my personal life who have come from some type of religious background. So to wrap it all up, I wanted to just touch on this topic because it is so relevant in my community, in my state, but I also know it's very relevant in other communities, other religions, and and across the board. I think that this is a topic many people struggle with. I think it's something many people struggle with daily, and I really want to encourage you if you are struggling or you can relate to any of this, to reach out to someone, start having conversations 
Find people who are healthy and that you can trust to carry this for you, whether that's friends, family, distant family members, support groups online, therapists, whoever you need to talk to. Hell, maybe even it's a fellow church member that you feel comfortable with and they're able to carry this and have an open conversation with you. More importantly, sharing your voice and encouraging you to be the best version of yourself is what I care about. So, Focus on it. Think about if this applies to you. Think about how maybe your experiences in your religion, in your beliefs, in your spirituality, if it's affected you and start sharing your voice because you matter and your story matters. And who knows? I hope that in the way I assume Tyson's episode impacted some of you, I would hope that your story can impact and change other people's lives as well. As always, thank you again for listening. I appreciate your support more than any of you know. And I also, again, have linked Psychology Today's website in the description below. Uh, Just remember, this is a universal website that can be used to help you find professionals you can talk to. Be well and talk soon, friends.